All right, this episode of The Damn Podcast is brought to you by Scott Santana of Farmers Insurance. You can contact Scott at 503-393-6771. Scott made sure The Damn Podcast was carried on all season long, so we thank Scott Santana of Farmers Insurance. Again, you can reach him at 503-393-6771. All right, welcome back into The Damn Podcast. Brandon Sprague, 1080, The Fan, Angie Machado, BeaverBlitz.com. Last week of the season, I cannot believe that the season has gone by this fast. I know. It just seems like yesterday that I was jinxing poor Tim Cook, calling him the uh, the big run attack, you know, run threat for the Beavs. God, I and forgot then it, he got hurt. Tim Cook, yeah. I forgot you yeah. jinxed him. Jeez. I jinxed him. I know. I mean, maybe, maybe I've jinxed, I don't know, looking at that injury report and the depth chart going forward for uh, Friday's game, I might have jinxed a lot of people. You know, I was thinking about how unfair it is for the month of November. November might be the most screwed month of the year just because of our attention to football. Like, November, I feel like, was two days long, and the month is over, and that's where we're at in football season. I know. I know. It's kind of crazy. And, poor, you know, November, Thanksgiving, all of it, kind of, it's football, and you kind of gloss over Thanksgiving, and then it's bowl season in December and Christmas. I yeah. mean, it's, yep, poor November. It's exactly what happened. So, I haven't decided yet, and we haven't even talked about this. We're just doing it on the damn podcast now. Uh, if this is going to be our last one until maybe recruiting, I know hoops is going. We're not going to do a weekly one for hoops. We might do, uh, we might do one at the end of the non-conference, or we'll work something out to do one here and there. But we're going to do a big recruiting podcast. But uh, should we do a follow-up next week? I mean, based on the season that they had, or do you think we uh, this is our last one for a couple weeks? I think it probably has to be the last one for a couple weeks. We don't want to depress people more. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I mean, fans this, are... one's gonna, this is going to be a fun podcast. We have lots of fun stuff to talk about. We actually do. There's, I mean, despite a two-win season, there's there's actually really there's good positives and there's a lot of fun things to talk about. I think you're spot on with that one. Um, we don't really need to hash up the game, but I want to start with the Civil War and who they play this week. Uh, the Yucks, the guys down sta- down south. I've always told people that I didn't really grow up with a, a bias one way or the other. I went to Oregon State, but uh, this is the week that I tend to hate Oregon. I get into the rivalry mode, and even though it's not a, it's not probably going to be a close game, I still think it's fun to think about some of your favorite Civil War memories. Oh, it always is. I mean, Civil War always is, is one of those, uh, it, it brings out the, the fun. I mean, gosh, I was at the grocery store this morning, and, you know, Duck fan, Beaver fan, um, just the, there's fun. And especially maybe that there's less, there's nothing on the line really for, for Oregon State. Yeah. It's probably a little more fun and heated when it's, when there is something on that line, but um, everybody's been pretty cordial. So, uh, no, it's always fun and there's some great, great memories out there. You know, uh, the beautiful encyclopedia page, wikipedia.com, that everybody can trust 100%. 100%. You know, when you Google Civil War in Wikipedia or when you search it, it's actually really cool to read some of the stories. You see some of the pictures. Like, I'm looking at the 1922 Civil War game uh, that ended with the University of Oregon defeating Oregon Agricultural College 10 to nothing. Uh, Carrie Eggers from the Portland Tribune, um, we're both really cool with Carrie. He's a great writer. And he knows this program as well as anybody as well. But he wrote a really detailed, good Civil War book that he released last year that I highly recommend people that, you know, if you want to go all the way back to the beginning when it was OAC versus the Ducks, uh, that book in detail gives you great quotes, great memories. But um, 
it's just it's a fun week. It's something to get into in the state. And even if the team is not very good and they're not, I think in these situations, you think back to a time where it was maybe your favorite Civil War moment. So that kind of got me thinking what your favorite Civil War has been in your life, Angie. Mine, I, I think I have to go 98. Oh, um, that is the favorite for Oregon State. It is. It is. I mean, it that... Is. That I mean, you were probably still in diapers at that one, but okay. I'm I'm not five years old here. I watched the '98 <laughs> Civil War. I went berserk when Simonton got in in double OT. That seriously, um, that one just stands out because that was really you started feeling like there's hope, you know, for the program turning around, actually mm-hmm. turning around. That was the first game I actually bought a ticket for because I had used my ID card for a year, um, that whole '97 and '98 year. So I had to buy a ticket for that game. Amazing. I still actually have a piece of that winning end zone out in my garage right now. Um, that game, and I, I just yesterday I was at my parents' house helping them with their Christmas stuff, and my mom turned on the 2000 Civil War, and another total classic. Yeah. Joey, Joey Harrington, five interceptions. Joey, five picks. Joey, five picks. It was clear. It was a beautiful day in Corvallis and yep. just so much on the line. Dennis Erickson um, and such a fun team. I mean, you had Keith Hayward Johnson and uh, Mitch Mewson and that whole crew. It was just a, a fun – Jonathan Smith, the whole the whole thing. But I'm going 98 just because of, of what it meant to the program. Well, you mentioned 98. Uh, if you rewatch Simonton when he gets around, I mentioned I watched that game in jest. If you watch Simonton go around the corner and score, there's a little boy that runs up to him and tries to get the football, I, you? I am the little boy. <gasps> I will have to go watch it again. I'm, yeah, I'm just kidding. I, I'm not the little boy. Oh, okay, I, you're not the little I, boy. I couldn't afford to go to that game at that time, no. <laughs> but I did watch that game, and I'm with you. I think when you talk about big Civil Wars and impacts on the program, uh, the 2001 probably is mine. I'll go, I'll go 2000 instead of 98. 98, I get, was big because of where the program was at. I mean, I'm looking at the scores leading into 98. 96, they lost 49-13. They lost 48-30 to the year before. And then you win in double overtime. It kind of set the program into the motions of being the Fiesta Bowl winners. But that 2000 Civil War played like, what was it? I think it was like an 11 a.m. kick in, 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 uh, in Parker Stadium. Oh, no, it was Stadium. the 12.30. It was, was the 12.30. 12 That's right. It, it was, was the ABC Jackson. game. It was yes. the ABC game. Yes. It was the ABC game. You're right. And it was 12.30, and the sun's out, and it's just rocking in Parker Stadium. And everything that you mentioned, it's on the line. Oregon is a really good football team with Joey Harrington, who's just a stud at that point. And they get the five interceptions. And some people still contest. I don't know how many people believe this. Maybe Beaver fan really believes it. Some people still contest that might have been the best team in college football that year. I, I do. I, 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 I'm one of those. They I mean, would have played they Miami, lost, right? They would have. They would have played Miami. And you and think they, they would have beat them, huh? Yes. By that point in the year, um, they, were, they were a pretty special team. Damn it, Washington. Damn it. Why did well, they... and then Oregon State losing. I know. Seska missing one field goal. They yeah. they lost out on all that by one field goal. I know it's 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 unbelievable. But you talk about good moments, the two thousand game because I remember watching that and just I was pulling so hard for Oregon State because I knew how special a season it was. I loved watching that team. You mentioned some of those uh, some of the, the Mitch Musins, Smith, Simon. Like I don't know how you didn't love. Uh, oh, that whole team. That team, what, Juco guys? Sigler, Richard Sigler. Yeah, I mean. The Presidents, Jackson and, yep. and Grant. Prescott. How about Pres- Prescott, yeah, underrated Prescott. wide receiver? I mean, that's just, that was a good game. It was fun to watch that one. 
yeah, that was probably, yeah, like I said, 98, 97, or 98 and 2000. But, you know, then James, the last one they actually won um, with James Rogers, very similar fashion down in Eugene. Yeah. Good one. I mean, there's a lot of them. So um, we did ask Beaver fans um, on Beaver Blitz okay. some of their their favorite memories. Okay. And uh, I'm just going to scroll through a couple of these because yeah, we got let's, a let's ton. Um, let's see. For... Ebbs 15, he said, for me, it was the win in 2006. I watched from the south end zone as the Ucks missed a field goal as time expired to give us the win. It was a great game, mm-hmm. always is, when we win. Yep. And the first Civil War I'd been to in a long time. My brother, Ebbs 238, was in the ROTC there, had a blast hanging out with him and his friends leading up to the game. I was at that game in 06. It was a good game. And there we have a favorite, uh, Beaver Believer says his favorite Civil War is when Joey Harrington had a complete meltdown in 2000 and threw five interceptions while the crowd kept yelling, Joey. <laughs> you know, my favorite part of that, that game and that story is, uh, and he's, he's admitted this himself, you know, after that game, he saw his parents when he came out of the locker room and he just cried. Wow. Yeah. I, Oregon yeah. State made Joey Harrington cry. That's fantastic. There's no love lost there. In fact, when I hear that story told, even though I know, I still love hearing it because of the fact they made him cry. Because he was so upset and sad by his performance. Screw that, dude. That was a big game for Oregon State. They needed that a little more than a duck. So I appreciate that story. Here's a different view of of the 98 Civil War. Um, Tiger Beave says, favorite Civil War would be 98. Man, that was a game. Big underdog. That was a back-and-forth game. Darnell Robinson, in the middle of everything, recovered the punt muff to put the Beavers in position. Bringing the energy to the kickoff team, Tim Alexander, catching passes, breaking tackles on his mm-hmm. way into the end zone. Inoki Brechterfield playing like his hair's on fire. Gruel playing his ass off in the middle. Believe he's still got a sack or tackle for loss there. Terrence Carroll playing with one arm. His shoulder was so dinged up, he looked like a bad sting. It looked like a bad stinger. He had to go to the sidelines to rest in between plays, and he'd come running back, just one arm laying about. Did you say Tim Alexander or did you say uh, Seth Collins? Who were you talking about there? <laughs> Tim Alexander was catching passes. <laughs> we're going to talk about that today, I think, a little bit too. Seth Collins moved to wide receiver uh, and what that maybe means for the future of guys under. Can I give you one? I know this is an Oregon State pod. Can I give you one where Oregon State lost, but like honestly, game-wise, was an amazing football game to watch? Sure. It's depressing. 09. I was just going to say, I was going to ask you, I, is it 09? I know, and, and I get it. Like That's a really sore subject because the Rose Bowl's on the line and back-to-back years for the Beavs. But that 09 game, I've rewatched that probably five to six times. It's It's just fantastic from... Just, just what they were doing. Canfield, how money he was. Uh, the running back or the running game with um, with Quiz and, and his impact in, in that position. Their their defense and how aggressive they were all year going into that game. Jeff Mayo and James Dockery battling in that one. And then obviously we know about the Lance Mitchell play, but you know the big controversy in that time was like Garrett Blunt, a guy that was suspended yeah. the entire season for punching a player was allowed to finally come back at a time when Oregon really was on the brink of just losing hold of that game, and Oregon State could have won and gone to the Rose Bowl. Conveniently, of course, Chip Kelly puts LeGarrette Blunt in. Yeah, conveniently, how that happens. You're suspended till we need you, and then we need you back. Hey, and we then... need you in the second half, LeGarrette. You're finally going to play, so put yeah. your helmet on. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Fantastic. But 
all you know all biased or sides aside, I mean that's that's still one of the best games I think. It was, of the it was a good one. Now the last now the, this is a, this was a good game, but it was it was one of those again not a happy game. Yeah. Um, it was the last time I've been in Autzen, to be very honest, because it was a miserable experience. Um, Two thousand one. Oh. Yeah. It was a heartbreaker, yeah. and Ken Simonton needed. I think he finished that game needing like six yards to get his thousand, his fourth thousand yard rushing. Yeah, that um, one wasn't great. It was a rough, rough game. But who was um, who was the kick returner for them? Was it Sammy Parker? Yeah, I think with so. With the punt return in that game. Yeah. Am I thinking I, of a different game, or is that the two thousand one game? I'm not positive. I think I just, it was Sammy Parker in that game, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe I am mistaken, but I'm pretty sure that was the game. That uh, Sammy Parker had a punt return, and yeah, that game was brutal from an Oregon so that, State side. That was a that was a rough one. How but, about I mean, how about going recently, 2013, when they kind of went into that thing double yeah. digit underdogs, and the, you know the the thing with Victor Bolden and the score where they went up and then they left Mariota. What was it? A minute thirty to drive. Minute and, thirty. Yeah, I mean, I'd never liked the conversation that he should have fallen at the one. To kill the clock because I just feel like when you score, you, when you have an opportunity to score, you, you just score because yeah. yeah. you're betting that maybe something doesn't go right for them. Your defense has a turnover. You just you can't bank that it's an automatic touchdown because we've seen weird things happen in sports. But that was another one where they went in double digit underdogs and they were a minute away from upsetting Oregon in Eugene. And like that's that was the definition to me. It's not going to happen this year. It's really not. Where people say it's a rivalry, throw everything out the window. But in this run for for the guys down south, a lot of these games being so lopsided, 37-20, to 49-21, 48-24, 65-38. In this run, you just haven't had it competitive. And so I think that game was special because that is like the one example that people that buy into the it's the rivalry, throw everything out the window, that's a game people point at and say, you never know. Did anybody see that game coming? Yeah, oh, exactly. That was, um, I, I, like you said, though, it's not going to happen this year. No, I mean, yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately not. It's, it's not going to happen. <laughs> um, so Civil War, memories, are, memories can be fun. They can be painful, but it's good to have a rivalry game. I'm glad that we... We have a team that you, you know, you hate, you probably hate a handful of teams, but I'm glad there's a team out there that you can really just hate. It's good to have that. It is good. It, it's good for the sport. Hopefully they don't, uh, they're going to win, and it's unfortunate because I think their win ties the record of the all-time series longest winning streak of eight. Oregon had it in 75 to 82. Oregon State had it from 64 to 71, and this Oregon team would tie it at eight. So okay. uh, anyways, moving on. So the Civil War is this week. Uh, I have a bet on the line. It's a 34.5-point spread is what I've been given, and I'm taking Oregon State because I'm going to be at the game. I spent a crap ton of money on the tickets there, and if it if the if the Beavers don't cover the points on 34.5, I may have to get a henna face tattoo of Oregon's logo on, <laughs> like on my face. Hmm. That's about all I got to say to that one, Brandon. So I need I need to gauge your opinion on this real quick. Aside from making a dumb bet, I go all in on Rivalry Week, and okay. my co-host is a duck, and so we haven't officially made it a henna tattoo, but 34, 34 and a half points is below the Vegas line right now. Do you think there's a chance in hell that they can cover? 
this is going to sound bad, but I say yes, but it's because I think um, Helfrich is pretty decent. Like he's a sympathetic type guy? Yeah, yeah. I, like it he, gets 45 but, to... Okay, but I say that, but Jonathan Smith called off the dogs last week, and, uh, you know, they didn't pass in the second half, and they were still able to... Uh, win by, what was it, 45? 45. 52 to 7? And Oregon is, as much as it pains me to say it, they're a better team than Washington. My two options right now on the bets, I think the two ones were really... Uh, slimming down on or either a henna tattoo on my face of the other school's logo, which that's a two to three week tattoo. I was going to say, how long does that last? Okay. Two to three weeks. Yikes. So I'm going into Christmas, just getting the henna tattoo off or drinking. Cause my coast and I hate eggnog, like hate it. Uh huh. And the loser might have to drink a half gallon within a three hour time frame. Like during the show, we have to finish Ooh. a half gallon. A half gallon. Are you kidding me? I know that's a lot of eggnog. A lot of eggnog. I mean, I'd do that in a heartbeat over a henna tattoo on my face, but that's a lot yeah, of well, calories I and sugar and Don't be so eggnog. sure of yourself, Angie, because I Googled it, and uh, there was a guy that nearly died from drinking too much eggnog in a 24-hour <laughs> period because it, it dries out your system or something, oh. but he was like on the brink of death till he went to the hospital. Huh. So, uh, who know who knew that? I, I don't, I don't want to hear that I'm not a beaver believer. Okay. I don't want to hear it. There you go. Um, Oregon state had some visitors this past weekend. What do we think of them? Um, big time prospects. They, they got no commitments from the visitors. They did pick up a commitment, um, for more of a project D tackle, um, Paisa Savea out of snow college in, uh, Utah. And he's a teammate, kind of a cool story. I, when I got a hold of him on Sunday, um, so Oregon State had a couple JUCO visitors um, in four-star defensive tackle Handsome Tanielu um, out of Snow College, teammate of Paisa's, and then uh, Jonathan Kongbo, the four-star defensive end from Arizona Western. So uh, Handsome actually tells the coaching staff, shows them his, the film of his teammate and friend, and uh, they called him up, offered him, and... Uh, he committed. So um, they have one. Now he's a big body, 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, he told me he's between 6'4 and 6'5", and uh, 295, which the Beavers are going to need. They need some beef up front. So um, I know they're hopeful with Handsome. He loved his trip. Kongbo had a great time. And then a lot of in-state. This was a big in-state visitor weekend where um, the commits, John Bates, who we had on the program, I think the first couple weeks we were on, uh, Trevon Bradford out of Oregon City, they were in town. A couple uncommitted players, and Kaylin Hemphill out of Hillsboro and Coyote Rufi out of uh, Lincoln High School were both in town. And all accounts went great. Um, both Kaylin and Coyote want to take a couple more visits, but um, their offers are Boise State with Coyote and then Utah State and San Diego State for Kaylin. So, um, you know, if, if they want to stay Power 5, Oregon State's their, their big option. So um, feeling pretty good that those those two young men will be beeves as well. All right. So on the latest um, rivals rankings, where's Oregon State right now in recruiting class of 26? They are ranked 30th in the country. Okay. So, and do um, you think they're going to move up at all? They could definitely move up. Um, there's still some spots. This class will most definitely be a, a 25 signing class, 25 players. 
and uh, they could move up. Uh, Rivals will reevaluate film, senior film here the first week of December. You know, a guy like Mason Moran, the quarterback commit, I could totally see him moving up to a four-star. He had a great year. Uh, Was he player made, of the year, offensive player of the year? Offensive player of the year from Arizona Varsity, which is the Rivals prep site. Um, just a, a great player, so I could see him being bumped up to a four-star, which would help Oregon State's rankings. Um, Trayvon Bradford actually just moved up from a five, I think he was a five-four or five-four, five-four or five-five ranked three-star to a five-six. So um, just even a, a bump of a tenth of a, a point will give Oregon State more um, points in the recruiting rankings. Uh, they take the top 20 to, to calculate the, the points. So it doesn't matter how many you sign, the, it only takes your top 20 recruits. Mm-hmm. Well, but um, it's shaping out to be a pretty good class, and they're addressing needs. You know, they're not recruiting any other quarterbacks at this time, but given what we've seen with injuries and such. Should they, though? I mean, do you think they should? Personally, I think they do. Um, I, I haven't been super blown away by McMarion no. or Mitchell. No. So um, you're left with Garrettson. Mm-hmm. Collins, whether he, you know, is he going to stick at wide receiver? Yeah. That's, that's a question. And so you're left really with, you know, Mason Moran, a true freshman, Daryl Garrettson, and then two serviceable quarterbacks, unless they totally transform in this offseason. Um, it would be nice to have another quarterback option. So I tend to believe that uh, Mer- um, Mason Moran is going to redshirt. I buy uh-huh. totally into that narrative. Collins is going to figure out a position, like you said, whether it's a wide receiver, DB. I don't know what the hell he's going to play, but they've given. You got to get. You have to get him on the field, though. He's that athletic. Well, which is an interesting point, and one maybe I can bring up here in a second. You have Mitchell. Mitchell's not going to go anywhere. I think because of is his brother's. His brother's not a senior, right? Yeah, brother is a senior. Okay, well, I still think he's going to stick around Oregon State. Um, McMarion, I could see transferring, but you'll have Garrettson come in. And uh, I think I think Garrettson's going to be the starter, so that would leave you, that would leave you with three if Moran or no, yeah, that would leave you with three if McMarion doesn't transfer and and Moran redshirts. Yeah, and yeah. so you're pretty much banking on Garrettson not getting hurt, which is a risky play in the Pac-12 with a quarterback. But if that's your play, then I can kind of understand it, and I see where you're coming from from the recruiting of a a quarterback standpoint. The funny thing to me is. You know, look, the coaching staff knows these guys better than anybody, and I'm still not in a position where I totally want to judge the coaching staff. It's their first year. It is unbelievable how injured they are on that roster um, with just like 57 guys on scholarship able to really suit up. But I think when you look at the quarterback play, I am blown away that it's just an easy, hey, Seth Collins can't be a quarterback but Nick Mitchell, who didn't complete a pass last weekend, and Marcus McMarion, that if he plays, I have zero confidence ever, they are automatically better options. I, yeah. haven't, I haven't seen anything from any one of those three kids that tells me this kid's better at that position than the other. Oh, I agree, and I think that's why we've seen so much moving around. But I do think Garrettson is kind of who they're banking on for next year. They've got to be. I mean, right? That's the play. Yeah, that's the play. And I'm not saying go out and get another prep, because I do think that Mason Moran is, is a very talented player. I think what the, what the play needs to be is you need to go out and find kind of a, a Vernon Adams, a, a fifth-year guy that can transfer in and play immediately as, a, as someone that can be there to back up. They need some, some depth there. Can Chucky Keaton transfer? I don't know. <laughs> I know. I think they but, missed out on that one. Yeah, um, but he couldn't have transferred right away. He, had, he didn't have his degree. Yeah, he wasn't in until December. He wasn't ready. Yeah. Um, what was Nick Mitchell's best game to you? 
Can you oh. think off the top of your head? Colorado was that the one? Am I thinking about? Was he? But Utah was he the quarterback at Utah? I'm I'm confused. They've used quarterbacks like. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, he was the quarterback at Utah. I'd say Utah. Okay, now let me ask you this: honest opinion. Did Utah play? Were they all in on that game, or do you think they held back a little bit? Like, I eh, would we'll just get by in this game. I I don't think they held back. I think Oregon State played better because they did have. I mean. They knew the personnel. They knew what Utah wants to do. So okay. it made it easier to scheme against and, and to plan offensively around. Yeah, because my argument would be that the best game Seth Collins gave you was the half against Stanford where yep. they, you know, they weren't getting their butts whooped. They were right there within distance, but ultimately Stanford was too good. And I just think that I put that half against anything that Nick Mitchell or Marcus McMarion has done. True. And, no, you're right. That Stanford, that first half of Stanford was, that, I mean, that's what gave it, I think, all Beaver Nation hope. And yeah. that's maybe why people are a little disappointed now that we haven't seen anything come close to that. And I think that's just my overall point is maybe the coaching staff sees it on tape or they've talked to him, but... Uh, I just I'm not sure there's anything that clearly says oh Seth Collins needs to move positions, but Nick Mitchell and Marcus McMarion oh yeah they're absolutely good at this spot they've looked terrible all of them and that comes with the territory of playing freshman inexperienced guys that doesn't shock me but I don't want to sit here and act like Seth Collins has been night and day worse than Nick Mitchell or Marcus McMarion because I don't I don't think either one of them have really emerged and shown you much what's going to be interesting is is you're right is how it plays out next year where to me it's pretty much a given that unless Daryl Garrettson comes in and just throws it to the wrong team every single snap, especially in fall camp and throws it to the defense, it's pretty much his gig. Yeah, and, and Anderson's already gone on record saying he doesn't want to drag it out like he did this past fall. So Interesting for him to word it that way, drag it out. I thought that he made it clear that he was okay having two quarterbacks. He did, yeah, but he, didn't, he does not want it to play out that way again. <laughs> yeah, so. well, it's... That's um, it sounds negative what I'm saying. It, maybe it does to some people, but it's funny. Like having an opinion of playing two quarterbacks is dumb, and you can't name a team that's had success doing it. And week in and week out, the coaching staff will play two quarterbacks. We can succeed with two quarterbacks, and then the end of the year, and you get these results, and it's well, we don't want to drag that out again. We don't want to do it again. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> Interesting how that usually works out. Um, so Oregon State. Good. They're doing a, an incredible job on the recruiting trail. They're thirtieth right now. We don't have any expectations that any of these big time commits are going to decommit, right? I mean, it's recruiting. You never really know, but like you feel pretty good about most of them, right? Yeah, you know, most of them. I I, I keep in touch with these guys, and uh, we'll follow up with them again now after the season in December and January. But um, I really, even you know, there was a couple guys. Um, Christian Wallace, who's one of the top, he's a four-star um, out of Sealy, Texas, took a trip to Ole Miss a couple weeks ago, and he's still very solid with Oregon State. So, um, yes, yeah, some of them looked around, but um, there's not one person on a commit list that I'm, like, saying, oh, yeah, that guy is probably going to end up elsewhere. Hmm. Okay. Now a lot can change. I mean, we, got, we have two months. And, uh, it, you know, what's interesting about recruiting is it's kind of the domino effect. So Oregon State staff is going to be hitting the road this weekend. Right out, right after Civil War, they are hitting the road um, to try to catch some of the, the playoff action and such. So there's this, this domino effect now. So everybody's been accumulating their, their recruits and their commits. But what happens in the, are the big-time schools might start getting – that already have a bunch of four-stars, right? Well, then maybe a couple five-stars or high-end four-stars decide, well, no, I really want to go to SC. Well, then maybe – 
that frees up a couple of uh, high three or four star prospects that now maybe need to look elsewhere because their spot is no longer there. Mm-hmm. So then you have the dominoes then of you know poaching guys like that, and it's a it's an interesting dynamic here the next month or so with recruiting. Okay, so Oregon State uh, doing really well in recruiting. Um, let's get to some damn. Let's do some damn questions right let's now. Let's do damn questions. Okay, uh, you want me to start? Or you want to start? You go for it. Okay. Um, first one is from at Coach Morrow. How solid are the current commits? Is Isaac S going to return? How many uh, running back commits stay at running back once on campus? You just answered the current commits and how solid they are. Isaac Sayamalo is one that we got twice. Uh, for damn questions about him returning for his senior year because he had the uh, the red shirt season, I, I'm pretty confident he's coming back. Yeah, I mean, are we not confident he's coming? Where's he going? Well, there's the questions. I mean, he has such a great reputation and has such good fundamentals that you know. What's on he- the line? NFL. I mean, I don't want to be disrespectful, but I have not seen NFL like blocking ability this year. Now that a lot of that has to do with scheme, but. Do you buy that? I mean, are you just do you just think like that's kind of like what's been put out there? That's been put out there. That potentially, if he goes to another school, I I mean, maybe I understand that. I don't. I just don't. Maybe the NFL to me, the NFL to me is not a reasonable option at this point. Yeah, he. I mean, he does have you know scouts after him, but yeah, I guess the other school is another school is another option. But uh, I, you know, his sister goes to Oregon State. His brother's an assistant coach at Oregon State. Yeah. Plus, I think I mean, another year for him under this system would put him maybe in a better position. Exactly, exactly. I mean, both T.J. Woods and, you know, Coach Kavanaugh, he's he's learning from two very good offensive line coaches. So um, just to further, they coach completely differently yeah. and have totally different schemes. So um, in my opinion, that just makes him more valuable. Well, yeah, absolutely. With another year in the system to get stronger again um, after the injury. Well, and think about the uh, think about the NFL, where you almost there's almost two different kinds of systems. It's traditional, punch you in the mouth. We're going to run it cold weather. You know, teams like a Pittsburgh or something. And then there's we're well, not Pittsburgh. Maybe like a Minnesota is a good example right now. And there's other teams like a New England or you know put a, if you want to go Chip Kelly, whatever that are kind of shotgun formation, read option spreads. He's kind of getting the best of both of those worlds in college. Exactly. So, um, what about the running back commits staying at running back once on campus? Um, well, they have the um, Kyle White is the JUCO, and yes, he will be a, a running back. And then Artavis Pierce out of Florida is the prep. You know, I, they just need some depth there. They need some some guys that are healthy, and uh, we may see some changes. You know, going forward with you know current roster and, and what we have. So, until spring. More than likely, we won't know a whole lot of what the numbers look like there. Okay. Um, but they have two right now. So I, I have one here. Do you, a Q, Beave, Q Beaver says, do you see any coaching changes in the Pac-12 for 2016? Coaching? Yeah, this question bugs me because there's a chance we could, but I'll say no. I think the full staff comes back next year, and it might be the year after that that I really no, I'm Okay, I'm... I think I think what Q Beaver's asking is in the Pac-12. Oh, just the Pac-12. Okay. Yes. Well, because Kalani Sataki's name might be coming up for some smaller jobs. Yeah. No, no, no. No, okay. Pac-12. Pac-12. Uh, like head coaches in the Pac-12? Um, I could see Rich Rod leaving for Virginia Tech. That wouldn't shock me at all. 
Sonny Dykes and Cal seems to be a weird situation, despite what they've been saying in the media the last couple of days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Whittingham might be a little bit of a question mark, just because that relationship was so weird going into the year. But uh, and then Mora, I hear Mora wants to go back to the NFL. Really? So wow. Uh, well, that would actually that would honestly surprise me a little bit. I know he has the NFL pedigree and had some success with Atlanta, but uh, that would surprise me a little bit. But I think USC, I don't know if they're going to keep Helton. It wouldn't shock me if they tried to go get another big name and say that that's going to work. But I think the jobs that I can think of right away, I think Arizona might open up and Cal would be the two. And then if you mentioned UCLA, I mean, there's three. USC would be different. That's four. Boy, that's crazy. Yeah. That's a lot of turnover. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple that I for sure wouldn't be shocked at all if there's difference. No, I, I completely agree there, too. Okay. I uh, got another one from Stephen C. underscore 24. Beeves and Q's leaders for Tyreek Tisdale. Yes. Beavers are still on Tyreek, and he is very high on both Oregon State and Syracuse. Boom. Okay. You got one? Um, yeah. I'm just, mine are all kind of the Civil War memories and questions are all together here. Oh, let's do it. I know. Because we all still need like... to get to you blowing up. Me blowing up. Oh, yeah. You broke the interwebs the other day. I broke the interwebs. What did I do? Oh, you thought I wasn't going to see this or know about this, but uh, I've seen it, and uh, we are going to talk about it. Oh, what did I do? Yeah, I'll tell you in a minute. Okay. Well, I'm just going to get one more question here. Okay. Before you tell me what I did, <laughs> blow up the interweb. Um, oh gosh, we got a damn question. Given the high number of commits already, I'm sorry, this is from MKB. Given the high number of commits already, how many more do you think we will offer? And please explain how the missions impact the numbers and the process for gray shirting. I guess that's for me. Um, I will sign a full class of 25 this, this year. MKB is my opinion. Um, what's interesting in the, is how the numbers work. Mission kids, if you sign them, if you sign a kid that's going on a mission, it still counts against your 25. So sometimes it behooves you if you don't have the room that you don't, don't do those ceremonial signings. They're commits, but they do not sign. However, some of Oregon State's junior college players that will be coming in in January can actually count backwards to the 2015 class, opening up then a couple more spots for 2016. That makes sense. It's, yeah, yeah, I know it's makes, clear as mud. I know it's no, clear as mud. That makes sense. But that's kind of how they do it. And I almost think I needed to get an advanced degree because um, <laughs> I've had. I mean, Ryan Gunderson tried to explain it one year to me, and yeah, had other other um, you know not coaches, but you know ops guys trying to. And even to them, I mean, I think they must have extensive spreadsheets and kind of keeping things. Did your eyes gloss over? No, the I first mean, to time? me, it's, it's really interesting to me. But it is. I mean, it. It, I think you need an advanced degree because it's it is it's like well you can count this guy against this if this and I mean it's a total a lot of technicalities to it yes a lot of technicalities so Jeez Louise yeah okay well that's good to know so that's that's the plan there gray shirting I you know we could see some gray shirts now a gray shirt obviously you know a lot of times once the, they can sign a gray shirt but then what happens is once that you know school starts they're wide open game again. So um, typically you can sign them. You don't have to sign them. It just depends on where your numbers lie. And then that gray shirt would come in in January. There you go. Okay. So. Uh, do you want to answer any more? You want to move on? 
We can move on. I, I, a lot of mine are, are Civil War memories, but they're mostly those and you 98 and 2000. Them, right? yeah, I know, yeah. 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 We've, we've had a, but they, lots of 98. Oh, someone else here. Here's another quick memory. World of Orange said that 93, the, um, down in Autzen when the Beavers won at Autzen. Down in oh, in Long 93, Canada. yeah. 93 yeah. was a good one. 93, they won, uh, what was it, 15 to 12? Yeah, that was my first year at Oregon game. State, and like I've told you guys on the podcast before, I grew up an SC fan, and so I actually stayed behind. My parents and my little brother went down to Otten and watched the game. I stayed behind and watched the USC-UCLA game. Ah, gotcha. Yeah, it was bizarro, but so, that's what uh, I did. the 93 Civil War was the year that I was first born. Yes, and, yes. Uh, the year Angie went to college, so you see, see the age difference here. Yeah, big age difference. We've got a real old lady, we've got a real young man. Exactly. I'm just That's kidding. How it works. I wasn't born in '93. Okay, so I broke the internet. You broke the internet. Um, I, I, yes. So <laughs> I have. It's been passed along to me a clip of you on Talking Bees. I was on Talking Bees this week. Yes. You were brought on. You do your recruiting stuff. You kill it as normal. I people expect that they get it from the podcast. So it wasn't a shock to see you doing it on Comcast and Talking Bees anyway, because. You've done that show, and it was interesting watching the dynamic of you and Lindsey Snell about recruiting, And because, I look, I was going to, before the podcast, I was thinking, oh, I shouldn't say her name, but I'm like, dude, screw it. Like, everybody's going to know who I'm talking about. So you're on there, and Lindsey Snell and Slade Norris and Mike Parker are on there, and you're talking about recruiting, and you're just throwing out facts, because as most people remember that follow Oregon State, Lindsey Snell was one of the writers that told you to... Deal with it. Riley was as good as it gets. You can't recruit to Corvallis. It's mission impossible. Yada, yada, yada. And you either agree with that opinion or most people, or not most people, a lot of people disagree with it. So it's kind of one of those decisions or opinions, I should say, that that kind of divides people. And you went on there and you talked about this year's recruiting class and you kind of just dispelled some rumors about recruiting to Corvallis, private plane usage, and, you know, you watch that clip, and I've watched it, you know, twice, three times now. It is a little back and forth there, and I knew about this because I saw it all over Twitter. It was retweeted on my timeline, and so I went out and sought this out. You broke the internet for like a night. Wow, that's impressive. I don't like usually stirring up controversy. That's not my uh, not my M.O., but, uh, yeah, I, I do think it's – I think there's a lot of people um, – fans and media and, and different people that, that want to stick to that narrative of it's hard to recruit to Corvallis and, and poor, poor Oregon State, they don't have the resources that the other schools do, and it's just simply not true. Um, so, you know, I thought that needed to be out there. So I might as well throw it out there. Did you almost fight her? No. I think a lot no. of people want to know that because you look like you got a little heated for there for a minute. Actually, I didn't. I, you know, there's sometimes that... Uh, my mom watched it. She laughed because she can. She says she can tell when I get a little uh, get my hackles raised. She's like, "No, you you didn't seem because I did. I when when we were done taping it, Lindsay actually said, "I think this is going to be great TV." And I was like, "Oh crap! What did I do? What <laughs> what did I do?" That's that's uh that's a little bit of the unfortunate part. Like this is a entertainment business, and so I I've never been afraid to tell people how some things kind of go and work. And the fact that that was said is kind of frustrating from my standpoint i just been one of those people that's like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get into controversy for the sake of getting into controversy if i give an opinion you disagree with it and we go back and forth that's fine 
but I'm not one of those people that's begging for attention for a TV show. And I, I don't think you were doing that. I don't mean that at you at all. I think you were just kind of giving your opinion and what you've seen recruiting. You talk to the coaches. You're, you know it as well as anybody. Um, and she, she writes for SI.com. Like, she doesn't even cover this program. She watches the game occasionally. She's at a couple games a year. But mainly her stories have been about Baylor, Oklahoma, walk-on students. Like, there's not Oregon State stories there. And so you're more connected to it than she is. And uh, it was I, – I liked it. I thought you did a good job. I don't think you got pissed off. I just asked that because it's – when people go back and forth, some people think the other's upset. Oh, no, it was, like I said, I just, I thought that I, I, I like to deal with truth. And, and yeah, I mean, it was actually, there's been a, a huge discussion on Beaver Blitz about it. And, and, you know, there's a lot of people that, a lot of Beaver fans, I know, Brandon, you and I have talked about this on the podcast before, mm-hmm. that Beaver fans sometimes wants to hate on media. You know, they want to, um, if, if you say one bad thing about Oregon State, then you're just a hater. And Well, you can't. You know, that that pisses me off, too. Like, it's almost a double-edged sword where I don't like the media having this definitive opinion about a university where 90% of them don't really go to practices, games, or even around it. And then the fan standpoint drives me nuts because I get people that text or tweet me or send me an email and say, you're not talking enough beavers. It's like, dude, they're two-win program. The Ducks are on a five-game winning streak. The Blazers, Lillard, and Superstar, like, whatever the topic is. Like, you're a two-win program. Like, we'll talk about them when it's relevant, but they suck. I mean, if you can't deal with that, then you're an emotional fan who doesn't like anybody in the media, in my opinion. Yeah, and I mean, and there are, are writers out there that want to drum up controversy. That's their whole they're, they're columnists, you know. They're they're yes. paid to write their opinion and get people to click on their 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 and, story. And clickbaiting and drumming up opinion for the sake of creating controversy—that's one thing. Being honest about it, like, tell me how. Uh, like, if I was to tell you, Angie, hey, Oregon State's a two-win program. This is my show prep co-host. Hey, do you want to talk about Oregon State today? What's our topic? Yeah, I mean, it's it's depressing if you want to talk about it, and you know, it's it's something you know. We have in, in the thread, and I, I will give props to my my husband who who wrote a really good response to it. In that, you know, because then people on the Blitz were saying, "Well, why is it that Angie and Eric can, um, you know, say something disparaging or or give a a bad grade?" And he said, "She said to a performance, and nobody, everybody thinks that's fine." But mm-hmm. if somebody in the mainstream media, and it was it was a good point because I I do think that there are people in the media, you know, starting their careers or what have you, that if they went to Oregon State or they were or tied to the program somehow or whatever school they happen to be, if they covered it, it's like they go way far the other way so that they're not considered a homer or yeah. biased. So it's like they go over and beyond. So personally me, I'm covering Oregon State. I have no aspirations of being some big-time covering, you know, the SEC or something for, you know, whatever. Whatever That's, publication, yeah. I cover Oregon State. Yeah. I, my market is, you know, we talk recruiting. I talk to Oregon State fans. That is my market. You just have to know your market and, yeah. and who you're talking to. Um, I'm not trying to be the next um, Pulitzer Prize winner who, like I said, is covering NFL football. Yeah, and I can, I can understand that. And, you know, my thing has always been because I started out, I was fortunate enough to get a job with Comcast covering Oregon State. And, you know, I would get it from Duck fans all the time because I'd mix in opinions with some of my reporting. And, oh, you're a homer. Oh, you're an Oregon State fan. You know, the thing that drove me crazy was 
I honestly, my first year out of college covering Oregon State for Comcast, I really wasn't an Oregon State fan. I really did not. I wanted them to win for the selfish reasons of I wanted to go to better games or a bowl game or whatever, and that just didn't happen. The Hoops team wasn't bad, but they weren't great. And so selfishly, for work purposes, I wanted to be good, but from a fan standpoint, I didn't care. And then I went to the fan, and I had to do Oregon State stuff here when I started. And again, I really wasn't in a position where I cared that much. But now that I just do a radio show, and I have to give an opinion on Oregon, Oregon State, the Blazers, everybody, I tend to, you know, I just... I've realized about myself, I do root for Oregon State to win. I'm not shy about that. But if they suck and they're playing like crap, I'm going to say they suck. I'm not going to go the opposite way because I went to Oregon State. I'm going to have people that call me a beaver homer. I still get that all the time. But I'll say the Ducks are playing really well. I love the balance. You know, I'll say that. And nothing. But if I say, you know, I really wasn't impressed by Oregon, I'll get, oh, look at the Beaver Homer coming out. I still deal with that sometimes, but yeah, I don't yeah. I don't give an F because we have the number one radio show, Noon to Three. We're killing the bald guy that we go against, and it's not even close. And so I think for the most part, as long as you're authentic and you don't drum up controversy for the sake of having controversy, people can kind of see through the BS. And that's kind of where I fall in line with the whole thing of, you know, I have an opinion, and this is my opinion— and you're never going to be right no matter what facts you no, give No, exactly. Me. You're not going to be right. And, and, that's, and that's what I saw when you were doing that TV show. It was one person who wrote a story on, the, on, her, on her way out of, of one publication and onto another that didn't have the facts that you have. Like, the, the, the private jet thing was brilliant. Like, hey, they had access to a private jet. They didn't use that money. Gary Anderson and his staff, they choose to use it because it's better to use it. And her opinion was, they don't have an airport in Corvallis, or uh, they don't have that access. Well, you just proved that wrong. Like, you were around it. You know it. Yeah. I mean, that's... So, it's narratives. It's, you know, different narratives out there. And and like you said, it is hard to be a fan. I mean, I can't remember the last time I went to a game and got to cheer. I I had a... I I can. I can tell you, I went to the Sherwood-Lincoln game last (laughs) Friday night. A high school football game, and yeah. I could just be a fan. It was so fun to cheer because now it's work. Yeah, going to, it, it's work. I'm in the press box. It's it's a job, but I will say my job is a hell of a lot easier when the Beavers are winning because well, it's, it's better not for you too. Not yeah. I mean the fans are excited, but it's really really hard to write after some of these games that they've had this year. Oh, I mean, there's no doubt about it. I you know I go to Beaver Blitz all the time, and I think you guys are doing a good job of giving. Look, you're a recruiting website, but like you're giving people also, you're finding good little details on a subject that they only care about at this point. It's a two-win program. We don't care about the coaching adjustments. They suck. They're no good. On to something else, and that next thing is recruiting. And I thought you guys have done a great job on that. But in the same sense, you know, just for credit's sake, take like Gina Mizell does a great job on the beat. Does a great job, and she has to cover everything not including recruiting, and I think she's found angles that have been relative or relevant, I should say, even though the team's not very good. So I just I think people that yep. are covering the team right now are doing a great job at that because fans don't always like to to hear and have things put in your face. You suck, deal with it, this is where you're at, move on. People don't like to hear that. They're they not want to hear it. good. <laughs> They've seen it. (laughs) Yeah, you can talk about the positives. And the positives that we talk about, whether it's on the podcast, the radio, or your write-ups, recruiting. I mean, that's the the positive right now. They are killing it in recruiting, and it's been fun to watch. Yeah, it is. 
So look at you. You broke the internet and you kind of got, you got wow. me going I a little bit. I didn't even know that. Look at that. You got me going a little bit. I did. I got you fired up. I love yeah. it when I get Brandon fired up. Well, I like, I like this stuff because I just, I really think there are different examples where pe- people are, people are smarter about sports now than they've ever been. Most of the people have more information than you and I, I anyway, because they'll just Google stuff and they'll get deep into articles and stats and stuff. You just can't BS people anymore. No, nope. and There's... yeah, yeah, it's I, I could get into a whole media thing, but I, I don't want to do that. This is the damn podcast, the Oregon State stuff, and so it is. Um, I, I love I, I liked watching your appearance on Talking Beats. I guess I should just end it that way. I liked watching your information on Talking Beeves. I loved that Slade was like. Uh, I didn't really care about facilities when I was being recruited, and I went to ASU, and they had great facilities then, and Oregon State didn't. That didn't matter to me because I think at the end of the day, what you're seeing, facilities haven't mattered when you're stacking them up against some of the other conf- uh, schools in the conference, like Washington State, uh, the Huskies, or Arizona. Mm-hmm. Look at Oregon State's recruiting class. They've yeah, got and, and, kids to and buy honestly, in. nobody in this conference can compete with with Oregon. In facilities, it just doesn't happen. I mean, you have your schools, Angie, that you're not going to ever compete against. No, you're but not going to. Y- these kids, are you ever seeing these kids come out and saying, "You know, the reason I'm going to this school, it's, it's facilities." No, you're not. Well, seeing you know, you that. do, you do see that sometimes. The school down south, you've, I've heard, I've heard kids. Oh, oh I'm, I'm not saying but, you, you know what, but you're not seeing a majority. Like, yeah, these no, kids are going to good schools. They're choosing these yeah. schools based on other things other than just facilities. Exactly. A Bama recruit is not saying, I'm going to Bama because Nick Saban's facilities are great. No, it's because of Nick Saban. He's a great coach. And that's, you know, what we've been hearing from the recruits, you know, even losses. We get this question so much now during a season like this. How much, you know, you're bringing these recruits in and the games are not not good. The, you know, attendance isn't great. The games aren't good. How does that hurt recruiting? And, you know, the bottom line is, A, the staff's pretty good at, you know, I mean, those kids were, um, they, they let them go to the groundbreaking for the new facility. They yeah. they wander them around. I think I heard they you know they went up at you know halftime and got food. You know, get mm-hmm. some food, feed them. Um, maybe let them run run back to the hotel, charge their phone a little bit. It's they're they're good at this stuff. I mean, this yeah. is. Um, but the, the players, it's it's the relationships they build with the other players and the coaches, and the fact that they're not. I mean, Coyote Roof. I told me he goes. I loved Coach Anderson because. I know everything he was telling me was the truth. He wasn't. He goes, excuse my language, but he wasn't BSing me. Yeah. So you know that's the kind of stuff that these players want to hear. I didn't really get the uh, to just like kind of end the uh, talking beef thing that you did because you did a great job. I didn't really get the diversity line at the end. Like, is there diversity? Yeah, that in one threw that kind of threw me because I thought we were just talking recruiting. But I mean, Pullman, Eugene, I, <laughs> Beaver Blitz. Somebody looked that up actually, and Eugene, the um, does Tempe have of, a lot of. It was African Americans. Twenty three point seven percent students of color in at U of O and twenty two point eight. So less than a percentage difference. I didn't look up Pullman, you know, but it is what it is. Whatever. But thank you for the comments on Talking Beeves. That was a a fun show, and I did it a couple years ago. And um, you know, it's it's fun to go on and, and talk. Try to throw in some recruiting knowledge for uh, the fans. Indeed, you did a great job. Uh, is there anything you want to plug? I think we're kind of we're, uh, we're running out of time here. Yes, we are. Um, no, just like a Beaver Blitz as always. Um, come check us out, and uh, you're definitely going to want to be there. It's a good Christmas gift for yourself. 
Yeah, there you go. Beaver Blitz is a great. That's actually a really good idea. Chris, um, you're gonna want to get it now too because recruiting coming up in February. This is starts to heat up a little bit. You get rumors. You get yep, kinda, we get the all the inside scoop. There is in the lodge merch have, on yeah. BeaverBlitz.com as well. Yeah, we have uh, player parents that are on and recruit parents that come on every once in a while and, there you go. and drop some knowledge. And uh, we'll start – we actually dive into red shirts, too. We start going back and, and talking to coaches about the guys that redshirted this year. Awesome. Um, just to get you guys up to speed. All right. Uh, let me say this real quick before I sign off. Uh, my thing on our on her talking beef thing, I don't have anything against uh, Lindsay Chanel. I know her. I don't know her well. I haven't talked to her in months. Um but my relationship with her has always been very cordial. I respect her. I think she's a great writer. I've always said that. She's a really good writer. Um, I've enjoyed the pieces she's written. I just I found it very interesting how that kind of went down on Talking Beeves um, and just, you know, kind of clarifying things about Oregon State because that's kind of been a contra- that's been a conversation really since Mike Riley left, who are we gonna get, what facilities are like, blah, 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 blah. But um, yeah, again, I have nothing against and, Lindsay Schneider. I didn't mean, too, I didn't mean I mean, this to make this a bash, Lindsay oh, Schneider, because no. I didn't mean that at all by everything I was saying. And uh, for for listeners out there, too, I mean, we get along well. She sits next to me in the press box and when she comes to games. and Yes. I mean, I, I share, I, I've shared my kids' Halloween candy with her. There you go. So, yeah. I, yeah, again, there's nothing against her. It's more just... Um, but I didn't realize I broke the inter- internet, <laughs> so I mean, hey... The topics you guys touched on, I guess that's that's how I can say it. But the topics yeah, you touched topic. on were topics that have either been thrown at Oregon State fan or been written off as like a definitive. And I thought it was really interesting listening to you answer. That's the best way I can say. There it. we go. Okay. There we go. Um, thank you guys for listening this season. Again, we're not going to do one for a couple weeks. We'll decide when we do one on hoops. Um, I know Oregon State's having a good year. They just lost to Valparaiso, but they're having a very good season. They got a Kansas game coming up again. I want to say thank you to you guys for listening, uh, committing to Angie and I every Wednesday. The listens have been remarkable, considering how bad the team has played. Usually in these situations, clicks, video views, podcasts, whatever, those plays tend to go down week in and week out. Up until last week, because admittedly we didn't do, we did really well, but we didn't do really, really well. Up until last week, we were going higher and higher week in and week out, and it wouldn't be possible without you guys. So we, uh, Angie and I really appreciate you guys listening. Oh, it's we, awesome. We love and talking recruiting and everything. A little uh, a little experiment. Brandon and I just thought it would be fun, and so uh, I'm really, really happy that you guys listened. Indeed. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Angie Machado one and at Brandon Sprague. We'll give details on a podcast if we decide to do one. Uh, Angie, have a happy Thanksgiving. Hey, you too. All right. All the listeners out there, you guys have a happy Thanksgiving as well. And uh, try to enjoy the Civil War. I know it won't be pretty, but just try to take it in, have some drinks, whatever. Do whatever you want to do. Drinks and (laughs) poo-poos. There you go. Uh, Thank you guys for listening once again to The Damn Podcast and Go Beeves. All right. This episode of The Damn Podcast was brought to you once again by Scott Santana of Farmers Insurance. Scott Santana was great to Angie and myself all season long. We thank you, Scott, for helping make the damn podcast possible. If you want to contact Scott Santana for any insurance questions, you can. 503-393-6771. Again, that's 503-393-6771.